Okay. <clears throat> Acts. <clears throat> and if you can find find um, Galatians, we'll be there in a minute. And if you got uh, if you got your map with you, we'll look at real briefly at some stuff. And we're going to back up <clears throat> to the 14th chapter, <clears throat> verses 24, right quick, and read those few remaining in uh, chapter 4, chapter 14, rather. And uh, if you look at your, at your book, I, I mean at, at your map, they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. This is verse 24, chapter 14. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Althea. And from there they sailed to Antioch, which is Antioch of Assyria. And you see on the map there uh, where they've gone. <clears throat> and there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and the, how the door had opened up faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Spent a long time with his disciples. Uh, next week we're going to talk about this more. I'm going to bring you a chart that we did which picks up from the chart that Art talked about before. Uh, but this, there is a little um, disagreement uh, in when different things were written, and <clears throat> most people agree that First and Second Thessalonians was the first book that that Paul wrote. However, there are people that says that Galatians was written during this long stay, but we don't know that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. <clears throat> Let's look at chapter 15. Oh, well, we'll say that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> I did bring my notes and forgot to look at them. But anyway. <clears throat> chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judah. And if you look at your, look at your, your map there... Uh, they were now um, they were now at uh, Antioch and people had gone from um, Judah and, and had gone up to Antioch there and <clears throat> began teaching the brethren, verse 1 unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses you cannot be saved <clears throat> now you remember when we went through Romans. Paul used this word circumcision till we were almost tired of listening to it. But when he talks about the circumcision, he's talking about the people, the Jews. The Jews. He's talking about the Jews. When, he's, when he says something about non-circumcision, he's talking about everybody else. But the Jews, he's talking about circumcision. All right, hold your finger there and go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 17. This is, <clears throat> this is when 
circumcisions was instituted. Now, a lot of people, the Jews of the, of the day, they went back to Moses. But this is going back to the father, which is Abraham. So, <clears throat> it, chapter 17 of Genesis. You with me? Okay. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now, Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am Almighty God. Walk before me, be blameless, and I will establish a covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face. God talked to him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make a nation for you, and kings will come from you. I will establish your covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for their everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my, my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my, my covenant which you shall keep between me and you for your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you, shall, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout the generations. A servant who is born in your house and who is brought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. A servant who is born in your house and who is... Uh, or who is bought with the money you shall surely circumcise. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. But the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from the people. He has broken my covenant. So here God and Abraham have a conversation and God makes a covenant with him. And he says, the land that I'm going to give you is yours throughout history. And that's part of the problem we have today. Uh, I've told you this before. When George Shultz was uh, <clears throat> Secretary of State for Nixon, you know, and Golda Meir was uh, <clears throat> Prime Minister of, of, uh, of Israel. And... And he says, it's hard to negotiate with somebody who says, this is our land because God gave it to us. And that's, that's where we are today in that particular thing. The circumcision was a sign in the flesh that you were a Jew. So, go back to Luke now, and we'll, we'll, pick, up, we'll pick up here. Some of the brethren said, Unless you are circumcised according to the customs of, Mo of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders concerning this issue. Now, Paul was doing great work out in the field. But the head of the New Testament church was still in Jerusalem. And at this time, this time James, our Lord's brother, had kind of taken the leadership of the church in Jerusalem. And he, he walked and talked with the Lord, but he didn't know the Lord until after the resurrection. We've talked about that before. There's scripture that says Jesus got James off to himself, and I don't know what he said, but he was a new man when they got through. And so James and the apostles in Jerusalem was the kind of the supreme court, so to speak, of the New Testament church. And what they said went. And so they, they had this discussion, and some of the brethren said, okay, Paul, you and Barnabas need to go to Jerusalem and get this issue solved. Picking up in verse 3. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria. That's on your map if you want to look that in the, in the green part down there. Describing in detail the conversions of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, now these were Jews who were Pharisees who were now Christians, stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them um, to observe the law of Moses. Now, people were being saved, you know, on their journey, everywhere they went. I found this real interesting. This is what Ray Steadman says about part of this stuff. And he says, he was talking about Paul. He summarizes how after listening to the mind of the Spirit, because the Lord led him to go here, and we'll see that in just a minute when we go to Galatians. He said four things that are extremely important. First, he comes squarely to terms with, with the activity of God. These Judaizers had been saying to the Gentiles, without circumcised, Without circumcision, you cannot be saved. But they had ignored one stubborn fact. These Gentiles were already saved. Let that sink in a minute. They were already saved. And then somebody else says, well, in order to be saved, you must be receive this mark in your flesh. And he said God had already been saving the Gentiles without asking anybody's permission to do so. He was doing it without any ritual, even any reference to the law of Moses. And with this point, they could not argue. This was extremely important because it forced them to take note of the direction of God, God's activity. They saw that God was already doing what they said 
could not be done. I thought that was really good, you know. Uh, God showed up. He saved them. He didn't ask them any question if you had to do this or you have to do that. If you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this. It's Jesus plus nothing to be saved. Your faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross of Calvary, and that's all it takes to be saved. You don't have to do anything else. No baptism, no circumcision, no church membership, no nothing. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's the gospel right there. Okay. Let's go back to, uh, to verse, uh, verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to the observance of the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, and by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. You remember Art led us to about going to Cornelius' house. He was a Roman. He was, he was not a Jew. He was a God-fearer, and, and, and the things that led Peter to go there in that particular situation. Verse 8, And God, who knows the heart, God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us also. When we went through Romans and Paul was talking about all of this thing, we said time and time again that it came back to be a matter of the heart. With all the chaos and the trouble we have in our country today, it comes back to one thing. Where is your heart? What's the matter with our heart? And it gets ugly and it gets mean and it gets all those things that we see on the news and internet and God forbid Facebook, but it's there, you know. And, and it's a matter of the heart. It always has been, it always will be. But here Luke says, he says, verse 8, And God who knows the heart testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Verse 9, And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith, the same way that we're saved. By faith we believe Jesus and his finished work on the cross, and because we believe in what happened there, our testimony is that we're ch children of God. Okay, verse 10, <clears throat> now therefore, why do you put God to a test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers or we have been able to bear? Verse 11. But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they are also. Okay. 
Turn to Galatians. Just turn turn right in your Bible. You got you got uh, Romans and First and Second Corinthians, and you come up to Galatians. The entire book that Paul wrote to the people in Galatia was in response to this question of circumcision. And he, he's, he leads us. We've gone through this in our study uh, when we were there. But it, it, it follows the context. And this is why some people say that Galatians was written here. Again, we'll talk about that next week. But anyway, uh, it may or may not. I don't know. And the, and the people who's supposed to know don't know. Okay. Galatians chapter 1. Beginning of verse 6. This is Paul talking. He says, I am amazed that you so quickly are deserting him who call you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel which is really not another only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ even but even if we or an angel in heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you he is to be accursed as we have said therefore (coughs) So say I again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. And that, those few verses right there, is the reason Paul wrote the letter to Galatian. To set them back on the narrow way. He had been there and he preached and yet the Judaizer had come behind him and it says, well... That's good, but you need to be circumcised. And Paul said, I can't believe that you've already fallen away from the truth. That's why it's important for us to be in the Word. It's important for us to fellowship one with another. It's important for us to come to church and hear the Bible preached. It's important for us to come to Sunday school and, and, and listen to what has to be said it's important for us to know the truth and the truth is only in this book it's not what Ray Stedman says it's not what Chuck Swindoll says it's not what I say it's not what Art says it's what's in this book that's the only thing we can take to the bank we can take to the bank okay uh, now let's look at chapter 1 verse 15 through 19 this is again Paul is talking about here verse 15 but when God who set me apart even from my mother's womb has called me through his grace was pleased Art mentioned this the last time he taught that was last week wasn't it and and that that sometimes um the whosoever will gospel and the, our reformed theology hits head up when we believe that if you ever want to be saved you can be saved however scripture does say that they prepared people from the foundation of the world and according to Paul 
he says from his mother's womb he was prepared for this particular task at hand. Okay, verse 16. To reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I, not, I did not see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Paul wants to come back and he says, This is the truth. This is the truth. Verse 21. I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, <clears throat> and I was still unknown by sight to the churches in Judea which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing. He who was once persecuted now is preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Chapter 2. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also along. If you remember the timeline that Art put up there, we talked about 14 years. It was the time that he got saved, from the time he got saved to the time that, that he met Barnabas, and Barnabas took him, and they started teaching. This was an interval of 14 years. And then we've just got through reading that, that from Antioch, they sent him back to Jerusalem with a job to do go straighten this up that's Bill's paraphrase and he took Titus with him now what do we know about Titus Titus mother well he was a Greek he wasn't he wasn't a Jew therefore he was not circumcised and yet he was a believer and yet that put Titus in a rough spot there when they were going to Jerusalem so let's keep on looking here <clears throat> <clears throat> verse 2 and it was because of a revelation let me stop right there Paul didn't do this just because of his own, own self or he wanted to do his own thing but the Lord had led him to this place he says you preach and you teach to the Gentiles and you lead them to where they can have faith in Jesus and then these Judaizers came in and said, well, that's okay, but you need to have them circumcised too. And Paul says, no. And it was by revelation, according to what he says here in Galatians, that he is going to Jerusalem to see what they can straighten out then. <clears throat> Verse 2, it was because of revelation that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. So he went to see them and he says, Fellas, this is what I'm teaching. This is what I'm preaching. That Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again for us. 
And he says, am I right or am I wrong? That's basically what he did. And, and he basically went to three different times in this, in this what we call the Jerusalem Council. So then he says that I might be running or had run in, in, in vain. But this is the problem, verse 3. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. The second theme of, of uh, Galatians could be the freedom we have in Jesus, the freedom we have in Christ. If you've been following <clears throat> uh, the Bible reading that we've been doing, man, when we went through the sacrifices and the, the sacrifices and the sacrifices, and, and I... <clears throat> Velton and I would read and then I'd come up and I says, thank God for grace. It's just impossible, impossible to keep all the sacrifices and all the things that the Old Testament law required. It, it, they just couldn't do it. Uh, hold your finger there and go to chapter 5 of Galatians. <clears throat> Look at verse 3 of chapter 5. And this was, this was the thing that he was talking about in Acts. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. Keep the whole law. Turn right quick. Hold, hold your finger. We're coming back to Galatians. But go back to, to look at verse 10 of chapter 15 in Acts. Okay, he says, now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon their neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers or we have been able to bear? <coughs> he says, you want them to keep the law. You want them to keep being circumcised. He said, we couldn't do it. Our forefathers couldn't do it. He says, why are you trying to make them do this? Okay, back to Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 5. But we did not yield to the, to the subjugation to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. <clears throat> but from those who were of high reputation... What they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with a gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been, in, been to the, circum, the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually is working for me to the Gentiles. Verse 9. And recognizing the grace that had been given to them, 
James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles so and they to the circumcision. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, let's go back to, to Acts. They were on their journey and they were preaching Jesus, Jesus alone, and people were being saved. And then all of a sudden, up jumped the devil. And he says, well, that's good, but you've got to be circumcised. And Paul says, no. They had much discussion about this particular saying. No, we're not, we're not doing that. And so the people there at Antioch says, you and Barnabas, go to Jerusalem, meet with the, with the apostles, and try to settle this. And so they did. Now next week we're going to get into the council itself. Exactly what happened and how they got into it. But Paul's talking about all that happened here. And, and it's the Jerusalem council in some, what's, what we've known to call it, is it kind of puts to bed everything uh, that it's outside of Jesus and Jesus alone. And we'll talk about that a little bit next week. We'll pick up in verse, uh, verse 12. And uh, I don't know how far we'll get. 